0: This morning, we're gonna spend some time in Philippians chapter one, starting in the second half of verse 18. Let me pray for us one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word not only gives us instruction, it also gives us example. And I pray now that your spirit would apply it directly to us for the sake of your glory, amen. The most popular course in the history of Yale University was offered in the fall of 2017. It was entitled Psychology and the Good Life. Nearly one-fourth of Yale undergrads registered for the class, Lori Santos, the psychology professor who taught the course, says that she tries to teach students how to lead a happier, more satisfying life. And no wonder the course caught on. Everybody wants a happier, more satisfied life. In 2013, uh, the Yale College Council found that more than half of the undergraduate students sought mental health care from the university while they were enrolled. One of the principal lessons of the course that was brought to these Yale undergraduates was that Santos said most associate achieving happiness with something like a high grade, a prestigious internship, a good-paying job, but that those things do not increase happiness at all. (laughs) Scientists didn't realize this in the same way 10 or so years ago, Santos says. Our intuitions about what will make us happy like winning the lottery or getting a good grade are totally wrong. But friends, there is a vision for life, a way of life, a, a some defining markers for life that will produce a deep happiness and a joy that will not wither. In a time of cheap imitations for joy that fall short again and again, there is a joy that will stand the test of time. It's a bomb proof type of joy because of its deep foundation. It's a joy that will withstand difficulty, unmet expectation, a failing physical body. It's a joy that is stronger than humiliation. And in the midst of all type of loss, this joy remains. It's a joy that will take you all the way to the deathbed of your closest loved ones and it is a joy that will be there even at your own passing from this life to the next. And this type of joy will not be taught in the classrooms of Yale University, and it will not be found in the boardrooms at work. It is a type of joy that Paul displays for us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. And so I want to ask you to read it with me or follow along as I read. And as we do, you need to understand the type of joy that we're talking about today is not just a simple spiritual lesson. This is not minor spiritual encouragement for you. The type of joy that's found here only comes through a massive paradigm shift in how you view your life. And that's what we're going to see starting at verse 18. We're going to pick up in the second half of verse 18 where he says this, Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now and always, Christ will be honored in my body, "'whether by life or by death. "'For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. "'If I'm to live in the flesh, "'that means more fruitful labor for me. "'Yet which I shall, not cho- which I shall choose, I cannot tell. "'I am hard-pressed between the two. "'My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, "'for that is far better.' But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Now, you might recall that Paul is in prison or on house arrest. And in verses 12 through 18 that we looked at a few weeks ago, we saw that when the gospel threatens the conventional wisdom of a culture or the conventional wisdom of the day, that there will be some who will attempt to silence it. Others in that time preached the gospel, the true gospel, but they did so with poor motives, slandering Paul and making much of themselves in the process. Either way... Paul expresses joy. It's it's really quite amazing. Joy, even though he was imprisoned, and joy, even though he's being slandered. And what we saw is that your highest aspiration in life will inform whether or not you have lasting joy, regardless of the circumstances. And he indicates that in verse 18, the first half that we didn't read. He says, Well, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So for Paul, one of the highest aspirations of life is that Christ was proclaimed. So even though the circumstances were terrible, he had joy. He rejoiced because... He was indeed proclaimed. Now, how can that be the case? How can you function with aspirations like that and receive that type of joy? That's what he tells us in verses 18 through 26. And he begins in verse 18, as we saw the second half, yes, I will rejoice. That is to say, I will be glad. I will be happy. I rejoice. I have joy. And the reason why I have joy, he says in verses 20 and 21, look at it with me. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed But that with full courage, now and always, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I have joy in life or death. My joy not only supersedes my circumstances, my joy supersedes My whole life. How can that be? (laughs) How can I have joy like that? That is the type of paradigm shifting joy that I want, that we all want. And the reason why, he says in verse 20, is that he has a specific ambition for his days. Look at it. Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or death. That's the ambition. The word honored here, Christ will be honored in my body. That word means to make much of, to exalt, to magnify, to glorify. There's a direct relationship between Paul's joy and His ambition. (laughs) There's a direct relationship between this joy that stands over all things, the joy that we all want, and his ambition that Christ would be exalted in his body. My greatest hope in this world is that Christ is magnified in the day and in the night when I feel good and when I don't. When things are going my way and things... Aren't above all else, I want Jesus to be shown to be supreme over all things because He is, and I want that to be displayed in my body. And if I die, but Christ is honored, then I will die with joy. And if I live, then my body will go on as a beacon of light pointing to the greatness of Christ in all circumstances. That's the ambition. That Christ would be exalted in his body, in life or death. And that ambition is directly related to the joy that is produced in him. Now you might say, Nick, that sounds great. And it makes me think of all the ambitions I have in my own life that aren't (laughs) joy-inducing. And it should. But if I pursue this, then how do I know that Christ will be magnified in my body? How do I know that I won't turn another direction? How do I know that I won't screw it all up I want him to be magnified. I want him to be exalted. I want him to be made much of. He is the glorious king of the universe. But how can I know for sure? And you see this repetition in verses 20 and 21, don't you? Life or death and live and die. Life, life, die, death. And there's some logic there. Follow it with me. The connection between this expectation and hope that Christ will be honored in verse 20 and the statement in verse 21 is the logic is found in this little word, for. (laughs) He says, for, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, I can be confident, I can know that Jesus will be magnified in my my body, regardless of life or death, for, because my life is defined in a certain way. This is the paradigm. This is the paradigm shift. And it's really a two-part argument. Christ will be honored in my life, because to live is Christ. (laughs) Christ will be honored if I die. Because to die is gain. And so let's unpack those two things. If it seems like Paul is saying that death is better than life for the Christian, that's because that's exactly what he is saying. (laughs) For Christians, death is Ultimately, better than life. Why? Because in death, our intimacy with Christ will find new levels that we cannot experience here. <laughs> we will be with Him forever, the stain of sin will finally be gone. There will be no more hindrances to knowing him, to loving him, and to enjoying him. And that's why he seems to deliberate about this out loud for them to read. It's as if he's thinking out loud because nobody in their right mind would say that death is better than life. Unless there is something or someone that you can experience on a whole nother level that is better than anything this world has to offer. Which shall I choose? I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart to be with Christ for that is far better. If you're a Christian you will have greater joy in eternity than you will have in this life. If you're a Christian, you'll have greater joy in eternity than you will have in this life, but it won't be because, primarily anyway, it won't primarily be because you are reunited with a loved one who's preceded you in death. And it won't primarily be because you feel no more pain. And it won't primarily be because you experience true and lasting peace that you've never known before. Those things will happen and they are all related to the primary reason that your joy will be complete. But they aren't the reason. <laughs> the reason why your joy in eternity will be complete, according to Paul, is because you will be with Christ. And so there's great joy in death and dying is gain. (laughs) And the implications of that are profound and many. Here's just a couple. For the one who knows Christ, they need not fear on their deathbed, and their family need not fear for them. The grief is for those who are saying goodbye, but it's not for the one who is losing his life, because death is gain. And for the one who knows Christ, they need not fear when the doctor comes back into the room with his white robe on, and he gives the diagnosis for your health problem, and it's not good. For those, they will cherish their days that they have left in this life, but their millennia upon millennia will be infinitely greater because they'll be with Christ. And for the one who is threatened or persecuted because they share the gospel, even to the point of their death, what is it to them? To die is gain. They have true freedom from fear of death in that moment. And that freedom gives the servants of God tremendous courage to be bold for the gospel. What can you do to stop a servant of God like that? You can't stop them. You can jail Paul. You can slander him. You can even take his life. So what? For him to die is gain. Why? Because to be with Christ, to cherish, to prize, to value Christ above all things, even above my life, is the source of all of my joy. To exalt him above all else. That is the essence of true worship and therefore our worship, magnifying, honoring Christ even unto your dying breath fuels your joy all the more. Dying is gain. (laughs) And if that's true, then why don't we just all pursue the end right now? (laughs) Well, the answer Paul gives to that question is that joy is not absent here. In fact, joy is found because to live is Christ. And that's quite a statement. To live is Christ. The defining measure of life The greatest desire that I have, the highest ambition and affection is found in Jesus himself. A while back, I was joking with a friend of mine about his kids' sports and the fact that they were playing baseball in December. And I said to him, don't you know baseball season is over? And his response was, baseball season is never over. Baseball is life. And he was joking. Kind of. But it got me thinking about all the things that we say and pursue and rank order as defining of our life. <laughs> Baseball is life. My work is my life. I live to travel. I live to pursue the next heightened experience. I live for sex. My kids are my life. And the list goes on. And I'm not throwing stones at anyone here because every single one of us is tempted to define our lives by the thing that we can see or feel right now, the things that surround our our circumstances. However, when you invest your life in things of lesser value, you can can expect lesser joy. (laughs) And when you invest in things of greater value, you can expect greater joy. And when you invest in the thing or person of the greatest value, you can expect the greatest joy. And so Paul says, to live is Christ. How so? Because he is of the greatest value, of infinite worth. And that's why he says, just a couple chapters later, in chapter 3, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss, Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. Notice that word gain. Here, he says in verse 21, death is gain. Because you get to be with Christ. In chapter 3, verse 8, he says, knowing Christ is gain. And so there's joy in death because you will gain Christ and there is joy in life because you can know Christ and as you get to know him, you gain him. And as you gain him, he becomes your life. And this reality, this paradigm shift, this unique ambition dominates all the other ambitions, and it produces a particular expression or output in the life of the one whose life is Christ, namely that they want other people to know Christ and experience the same joy they have. (laughs) And so after his deliberation, should I stay or should I go? I don't know which one's better. He says in verse 25 and 26, starting verse 24, it's it's to remain is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause To glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. I'm staying for you. (laughs) This is called fruitful labor in verse 23. It's more necessary in verse 24. It's for your progress and joy. That's the purpose in verse 25. That has a result in verse 26. You may have ample cause to glory in Christ, to hold him high, to magnify him in your body, just like I am in my body. Purpose, for your progress and joy. Result, you will glory in Christ. I will continue faithfully because of you. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I've received joy that supersedes every circumstance. It supersedes prison. It supersedes slander. It supersedes beatings. It supersedes health problems. It supersedes my reputation. I have that type of joy. And now I live, I serve God, not only because I have that type of joy, Christ is my life, but I want you to have the same joy. I don't wanna just continue to grow, I want you to grow. That you may say, to live is Christ and die is gain, just like I say, (laughs) joy for me, joy for you. Progress and joy of others because you're experiencing progress and joy yourself. That is the nature of Christian witness. That's the nature of our mission. It's part of how we exalt Christ in this body through serving others. And so you might try to wrap all of this together and say, exalting Christ in death and in life brings cause for the greatest joy. your highest ambition, your highest goal. What is it? Exalting Christ in your death and in your life brings cause for the greatest joy. Exalting Christ in death and in life brings cause for the greatest joy. During World War II, A U.S. Army transport ship carrying 902 servicemen was struck by a German submarine. Panic and chaos quickly set in as the men raced for the lifeboats in frigid waters off the coast of Greenland. And in the midst of pandemonium, four Army chaplains worked to calm the frightened men. One was a Jewish rabbi, one was a Methodist, one was a Roman Catholic priest, and one was a Dutch Reformed minister. And on the deck of the ship, they worked to distribute life vests to soldiers escaping into the frigid waters. And when they ran out, each minister simultaneously removed their jacket and they gave them to the soldiers. They didn't call out for the soldiers who were in their particular religious tradition or who were like them. They simply gave their jackets to the next person in line. One survivor would later say that it was the finest thing I have seen or hope to see this side of heaven. And as the ship went down, the survivors in the nearby rafts could see the four chaplains, arms linked and braced against the slanting deck. Their voices could be heard Offering prayers and singing hymns. And of the 902 men aboard, only 230 survived. Congress later conferred a posthumous Medal of Heroism, the Four Chaplains' Medals, upon the four chaplains. Before boarding the Dorchester, the Dutch Reform Minister, Chaplain Poling, asked his father to pray for him. He said, not for my safe return, that wouldn't be fair. Just pray that I shall do my duty and never be a coward and have strength and courage and understanding of the men. Just pray that I shall be adequate. And they gave their life away and it was gain for them. And they gave it away for the progress and the joy of others. What are you giving your life away on? What motivates you to do so? Exalting Christ in death and in life is the way for you to have the greatest joy. It is the fuel for cold for courage and boldness. It is the progress of your growth and sanctification and it will result in gain. That's why in 1719 Isaac Watts wrote a hymn about this Unique joy that's accessible to you and it's accessible to everyone. And we sing it, and we're going to sing it in a few moments. Joy to the world. (laughs) The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. How could that be? Because he is the most valuable. And he reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Friends, may your paradigm for life be to live as Christ, and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, make our joy ever more abundant as we glory in Christ. Amen.